Hello and welcome to the gray area where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news and reviews and focus on the interrelationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 54th episode in a weekly series called a short stack of pancakes. <laughs> Here with me is Tinzian who is filling in for Dave this week. So he gets the weekly intro that I usually uh, share with Dave and we'll play for him now. He'll scream. This is the Grey Area Podcast! And kick you into a pit. I, I, I want Rabbit to redo it so it's got my name on it. It doesn't actually have anyone's <laughs> name on it. It's just generic. <laughs> You're funny, though. He did actually write me and say, hey, do you want me to make some intros for Tinsian? Which I thought was sweet. <laughs> Alright, back to the discussion. Last week's episode was a discussion with Jerry Snook, the community specialist for Turbine. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, February 20th, and today we cover the Mass Effect 3 demo, a little more about Kingdoms of Amalur, Witcher 2, Syndicate, and more. Alright, let's start with News of the Week. Syndicate comes out the 21st of this month for Xbox 360, PS3, and the PC, and I'm sure that Tanzine wants to talk more about that after the news. (laughs) (laughs) Black Knight Sword for the PS3 and Xbox 360 releases on the 28th. Mortal Kombat Complete, all about the K, and Binary Domain both come out on the 28th. Mortal Kombat for Xbox and the PS3, and Binary Domain for the same consoles. The Guild Wars 2 beta weekend was this past weekend, and it seems to have been good for everyone. Uh, There's many videos and reviews of the world PvP aspect, and we hope to have more on that for you at some point here. I also had a chance to play Firefall again, the Copacabana, which is the new update for Firefall, Uh, and I have several codes available for that, so if anyone enjoys PvP and they want to give Firefall a try, you can email me at genesegray at yahoo.com or say something on the Facebook page and uh, get a code for that and try it yourself. Okay, before we get further into the news, let's talk to you, Tinzian. What is your news of the week? What's going on for you? Well, I had a really busy uh, week last week. I was down in Miami for work, and before my laptop blew up, um, I was able to, on a very limited sense, uh, try and get a little wow in, and was able to uh, finish off the Ice Crowned achievement for number of quests in the zone. I think it was like 145, 130, something along those lines. Um, Did you get your 52nd faction? No, not yet. That one is dependent on Darkmoon Fair, and I believe that is another two possible months, possibly three months that'll take me, because it's only available for one week out of the uh, month. And the other one, I'm just being lazy, and I think I've got two quests left, and I will complete this other quest. It's just a matter of dailies, but they make me want to drive a lance through my head. <laughs> the other factions didn't. Um, no, it's just this one, this one is a grinding slog. Just hmm. a mess. But it says the man with the insane title. Uh, not yet. Not yet. That's for 
that would be getting my Ravenholt to max, which... What? You're a rogue. You can't pickpock lockboxes? Well, I could, but the only issue is that ever since uh, Cataclysm came out, they have made the number of mobs with lockboxes far fewer. So you can't really go through on a grinding uh, pickpocket spree and get as much success. So there's been a lot of competition recently for that. And then um, the problem is, is that right now I am well into revered with all of the goblin factions. And in order for me to do the insane title, (laughs) I would need to make them hate you, hate, hate me in order to get the blood sale buccaneers up to honorable and then regrind the goblins all the way back up to exalted. So I'm wondering if that title is actually worth it, where I could just grind a little bit more and get five additional factions. Mm, very true. To exalted it, it in one fell swoop. But right now there's no achievement for getting more than fifty. Mm-hmm. So maybe for the new for the new expansion I'll be eyeballing that. But I'm sort of up in the air right now. I'm more trying to just get my lore master title, which um, I have one and a half zones left to finish, um, the total quest count and then I'll be done. <laughs> you, sir, are an achievement whore. Mm, I'm not nearly as much of an achievement whore as Cryptomancer. He is almost at 12,000, wow. um, achievement points. I'm getting up near the vaunted Super Saiyan, uh, it's only 9,000 power, um, <laughs> achievements so i'm you know i'm there but he's really the one that's the uh, the true achievement whore i'm like the achievement whore in training or something <laughs> the little achievement whore i can walk anywhere and they'll throw flowers at me even the people who hate me oh yeah <laughs> funny funny guy mm-hmm. uh before we talk more about syndicate which i'm gonna rely mostly on you to do let's go back to the news a little bit here we have some news about nintendo uh, re- regarding nintendo i would say uh Everyone has been on Nintendo for years trying to get them to bring their game franchise to the Apple iOS device. And so when an app called Pokemon Yellow appeared this past weekend, many people had assumed that Nintendo had finally taken that advice and brought that app to us. It ends up being number three on the app chart, uh, which is a quick rocket up to the top. But it turns out it's not actually from Nintendo. It's an unauthorized copy which was posted by a developer called House of Anime. This developer has made many other questionable apps, um, such as Yu-Gi-Oh! Plus and Digimon Plus, and they claim in the description that the trademarks and the copyrights are owned by Nintendo or whomever made the original games, but it's kind of... uh, I would call it shady. Uh, They're taking the content of another developer and then giving that developer credit, but they're still using it to make money on an app. And (laughs) this has kind of been an issue for them in the store recently. One-star reviews, a lot of people calling it a scam, even though it is number three and everyone's buying it. They're still still posting comments about it. And the developer has posted an apology for performance issues while actually not acknowledging that the game's not even theirs to profit from. Interesting little... Apple iOS news for that. And if you, I can't recommend it because technically it's not made by uh, Nintendo, but it's very popular, Pokemon Yellow. There's actually another vendor that uh, is known for doing similar stuff, but they don't actually use the same name of the uh, the original game. 
but when they remake it, they actually do a really good job. They're just not doing shovelware. I wish I had the name off the top of my head, but when I heard that, I was kind of chuckling because there's people out there reviewing apps that you know are based on uh, Dungeon Defenders, uh. but it's all Dungeon Defenders. Just it's uh, called Apartment Secures or you know something like that, something stupid, just a name change. I see. But it's you, you can tell definitely where the lineage of that game came from, but they're actually doing really a good, nice job. The tiny tower issues. Yes. Okay. Some news for Double Fine, who you, you may remember has made one of my favorite games ever in the world, Psychonauts. And Tim Schafer from Double Fine has been fielding questions for years about a follow-up for that. And people have been saying it's in the works. Um, and there's some buzz about that because earlier... This month, Minecraft's creator, Marcus, otherwise known as Notch Pearson, had expressed interest in perhaps funding that or being a part of that in some way on Twitter. And that brought it back into the news. I really hope that does happen because I love Psychonauts and would love to have a sequel. But Double Fine is in the news for something else recently, where they had taken the idea of creating a game and funding it through Kickstarter, which was pretty innovative, I thought. They are currently well over $2 million to develop this game. Uh, this Double Fine was founded in 2000 by industry veteran Tim Schaefer, who's done several games, um, Day of the Tentacle, Grim Fandango, some of the more popular ones. And it has made Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, Costume Quest, Stacking Iron Brigade, uh, so many others. And they have said that they're going to make a point-and-click graphic adventure game for the modern age that will be downloadable if they hit a certain amount of fundage, and they've well exceeded that. So this is an example of ways that you can use Kickstarter to foster the creative spirit, I guess. So what do you think of that? I really like that project. I like the idea of having some investment into a game via Kickstarter. Everything so far has been technology or something other based, but to actually have a developer be able to make a game without having to go through a standard distributor that is going to impose restrictions on them sort of harkens back to the old original days of gaming where uh, it was so new that people could make anything. Um, and that's why I think Notch is having such a profound impact with his Minecraft product in that he made that as just a game for himself originally, and then it was released, but he's under no one's restrictions aside from his own. Mm-hmm. It's very indie, the whole uh, idea of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. There's also another project out there with the Kickstarter that's going to be coming in, and that is a remake of the game Wasteland. And I believe next month in March is when um, the Kickstarter program project for that comes out. Ooh. And that, for me, is an amazing, um, amazing bit of good news because it's, I'm trying to remember back, uh, but it was either, either Bard's Tale 1 or Wasteland that was officially my first ever on-a-computer physical PC game uh, way back in the day when I was uh, far younger than I care to admit to here because it <laughs> makes me feel old. <laughs> But that that game um, is the precursor to all the fallouts, to that whole genre of um, the nuclear RPG. Mm -hmm. And it just phenomenal, amazing game for what they managed to 
pump out on a couple uh, five and a quarter inch discs, floppies, and if you don't know what that is, go ask your parents, kids. <laughs> um, it's it's amazing. It's like just if they can reinvent this wheel, um, it'll it. I will be first in line probably on March first to throw in a couple bucks to that Kickstarter project just to know that I was potentially part of something um, relating to such a uh, event in history in my in my personal gaming history. Okay, now I'm going to play a little song for you called Trial of the Tank from our friend Kevin at the Super Number One podcast. And you can find his songs at Radbear, which is radbearmusic.blogspot.com, where he has plenty of MP3s that are really clever and awesome. And uh, you can recruit him to be your own personal musician. And he's really cool. So I like this because now I can... uh, forced Kevin to do my will and and sing for us on the podcast so sing Kevin sing <laughs> oh wait no that's not right let's get to the tank enjoyed that clip from our friend Kevin. You can hear the full song uh, on his website. It is a little bit too long for me to put on the show here, but I recommend it. It's very funny. And you'll hear a song later on in the show called Baby Cthulhu, which is also very good. So check him out. Now back to the news. Well, let's move on to The Witcher 2, which I believe you have some news about as well. Uh, Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings is a third-person RP video game that I had talked about when it first came out um, in May of last year. And I had some issues with this game, mostly the UI, the fact that you had issues when you were inside a house with space. Uh, I kept tripping over chairs and not being able to navigate very well. Um, riding the horses was getting me 
motion sick and some of the camera spinning and some other things, just, just the actual UI of the game, not the story per se, not the characters was an issue for me. And I ended up pretty much abandoning the game after several hours of playing. I understand uh, that there's some news about this that's going to be occurring this year. Maybe you could share with us. Mm-hmm. Well, I just started playing uh, Witcher 2 this weekend and sort of poking around with it today. Uh, late last year, they released version 2 of the game, which was an attempt to modify a lot of bugs and add some content and make some changes that uh, Genesee was talking about as as when she was playing the version one, but apparently on April 15th of this year, they're releasing uh, CD project, which is the name of the company. I believe they're in Poland. Um, they're releasing an enhanced version of the Witcher two assassin of Kings. And if you have the game already by, I think it's April 1st, you will get the expanded version for free. They haven't quite said what all is going to be in there yet, but there's been a lot of um, news on Rock, Paper, Shotgun as far as just trying to get out word that, hey, if you have it, there's going to be this huge event, and uh, I'm hoping that within the next um, month and a quarter, they start releasing some information to draw some hype out, but this is supposed to be bigger than their massive version 2 update um, that sort of fell under many people's radars uh, late last year. One thing about the motion bloom, and I, I now know exactly what you're talking about because I was trying to do the tutorial portions. I haven't actually made it into the game yet. Mm. But under the advanced settings, there are so many graphic options that I think some of those, if they get tuned down or modified, probably take a lot of that motion blur aspect out. That would be good. I'm, sometimes like games, games like that have that effect on me anyway because... I do have motion sickness if I feel almost the realism and the spinning gets to me. And I've had issues with Witcher 1 as well, riding the horse, if I move it to first-person view. But this was especially disturbing in this game, and I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, I, I was rated as being at Ultra Graphics when it did the install, but I moved things down to medium, and that blur was a lot better. But I want to now try to uptune it to at least high or go to Ultra and then um, play with the motion blur because that that was getting to me a little bit not just not not as far as getting motion sick but it was more just kind of annoying in that I would try to keep my eyes on a path or something to where I'd want to move to and just with the blur I'd have to refocus uh, okay all the time so that that part was getting annoying but I think you know I'll work on some graphic options and let you know and see about revisiting okay very good let's have a little break for <laughs> for something fun Uh, news from Kotaku, from Mike Fahey. It's a little series of things that let you know that you've played too much EverQuest. And I'm going to use you as my litmus test here, because you are a, a long-time EverQuest player. But I think a lot of these apply to anyone who's really played a lot of games, or especially MMOs, but anyone who's absorbed, and I would say a diehard gamer, could relate to many of these. So I'm going to read them to you, okay? Okay. Okay. And let me know if any of them strike home for you. You know you play too much EverQuest when 
You see the lightning bugs out in your front yard during the summer, and you think, I wonder if it will drop a GLS. Mm, greater Lightstone. It's amazing. <laughs> All these years, and I still remember the uh, the wisps and the Greater Lightstones. But then again, I was a dark elf and didn't really need the... Greater Lightstone. See, yeah, that one I didn't understand, but the rest of them worked for me. Wow, that's an abbreviational blast from the past. I am <laughs> going to go stare at the wall now. <laughs> You know you played too much EverQuest when, driving through rush hour traffic, you wonder why you didn't bind at home so you could just gate back. Hells yes. Yeah, Hearthstone. That works for lots of MMOs. Or, if why, even better, would, would have been why you didn't uh, pick a bard to play and have Celos on <laughs> uh, Quick Map, which is the speedy yes. uh, song. You know you've played too much when you glimpse roadkill on the highway and you wonder if anyone's looted it yet. Ew. <laughs> Ew. You know you've played too much when you your wife slash girlfriend's con goes from warmly to scowls. That's that that's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> really, is it? <laughs> okay. Uh, when you see your girl that your friend has a new outfit on, and you ask for the stats and if it can be worn by small races, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking back to the ha- to the uh, halflings in that game, and just well, you you favor the small <sighs> races. You like the gnomes and the halflings. I like I like the gnomes, but the halflings. Oh, they were just it was bad. Oh, it was bad. You know you play too much when you walk into a restaurant and yell camp check to get an open table. Mm-hmm. Done that once, actually, in real life. Were, were you with a, people? Yes, we, <laughs> okay. were, we, were the, we were with people. It was actually an EverQuest uh, con in Seattle. And, uh, yes, I do believe that that phrase was uttered at some point in time in the table-gathering process. <laughs> okay. When you hear an elevator ding, think you leveled, and wonder what new spells you got. <laughs> Uh, ding is very like a uh, universal. I think everyone, when they hear that, they like that sound. It's good. Well, WoW is really—I'm sorry, EverQuest is really the one that started the ding phenomenon. In Ultima Online, you never really had—I don't believe—much of a sound whenever you would quote unquote level or or get some points. But it was really EverQuest that was the one that started to get you the uh, into a ding hunger, where you mm-hmm. just want to hear that over and over. WoW has a gong sound. Like, it's kind of a, a gongy sound, then you light up, you know? You recognize and, it. Yeah, and Star Star Wars has the billboard over your head. Yes, I like that. And the little robot that scans you, somehow. Okay, you know you play too much EverQuest when you complain about low baking skills after a burnt dinner. <laughs> Not a word. <laughs> you know you play okay, too much. Okay, 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 I'm fine. There's a reason she put this one in there, I'm certain, or at least the timing of it is, I bought myself a very nice cake this past uh, <laughs> Saturday and had been waiting for it for weeks and ordered it, and it was nice and cobalt blue and had fondant because I wanted to try out what fondant tastes like, and, well, uh, Sunday morning, I put a kettle on for tea, made sure the cake, which was sitting on the um, stove, wasn't over a burner that was near the kettle and somehow proceeded to, despite paying attention, turn the burner on that was under the cake, resulting in a <laughs> cake that lit on fire. Yeah. 
So um, it wasn't a low baking skill, but damn, that was about as annoying as well. You know, I'm in the shower. I, I like, I'm smelling. What? What is that? Did the heat come on? And it's I'm not used to the heat in this room. What is that? Like r- running out to the room. Something's on fire. Like I know. Get back in there. <laughs> this is why I can't have nice things. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry for your cake. But it does smell very nice, like uh, someone's had a nice uh, wood fire mm-hmm. in February. But it's sugar. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, back to the thing. You know you play too much EverQuest when you receive a pay cut and shout, I've been nerfed. <laughs> <laughs> when you start to say things like, hail, coworker. When you hit the backslash key to see who's online, even though you're not connected to the internet. I haven't done that one yet. You roll over after sex and say, out of mana. You refer to pennies as copper pieces. Mm, haven't done that one either. <laughs> you tell your dog to slash guard here instead of stay. Yeah, I think I saw someone do that, actually. <laughs> okay. Enough Tony. request. Yeah, crypto cryptomancer did that once with uh, his pet. He told it to to guard here. Yeah. Nice. There we go. Jokes for those who play EverQuest or MMOs. Baby Cthulhu in the deep blue sea. You dream so wild and you dream so free. Cosmos above and brilliant below and a little elder god on the go. Baby Cthulhu, oh baby Cthulhu, is the water warm? Summon lots of storms to kill the sailors. Let's move on to Syndicate, and I'm going to let you share that, since you're the one who's been squeeing about it for so long, and, and I'm very sorry you can't take off tomorrow. Yeah, I, I thought this game was coming out uh, later in the month, possibly after Mass Effect, but I got a note from Amazon today going, hey, your pre-order is shipped, and I go back to work tomorrow, and probably won't have a chance to play it until the weekend, and I'm just super excited. It's one of those old games, um, along with Ultima Online that we uh, kept trying to sneak onto the school's computers in the computer lab in order to um, play games since a lot of us didn't have our own computer systems at college uh, way back then. And this is a cyberpunk game. Some might say a forefather of the Deus Ex series and uh, so forth, but I'm just really looking forward to this one. It's going to be much more shooter, but it does have a nice RPG sort of cyberpunk element to it that, from what I've seen in the various videos, I'm really looking forward to this game. It, it may turn out to be complete crap, but um, Deus, Deus Ex was able to come back from uh, years of development and sitting you know, in mothballs and turn into an awesomely amazing game. So I'm hoping that whoever has taken the Syndicate franchise has really put a lot of work into this game. Starbreeze Studios, which I don't know. Um, they say it's a, it's a mix between Crisis and Mass Effect, so that makes me interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's 
The other one used to be a turn-based shooter, sort of like the old XCOM games. They call it isometric real-time tactical, which I've never heard as a description for a game before. You will have to set. I'll have to set you up with an old game of XCOM or uh, the like sometime, and then you'll be able to see it. It's you're sort of at a three-quarters angle, looking down at a scene, and you're moving your pieces, and depending on where you are, you have line of sight. You've got different weapons you can equip. It's um, it's, it's all very turn-based, but mm-hmm. pretty addicting if you can, especially the, these days, if you can get past the the graphics. I used to love the graphics, but um, I'm sure right now it would probably make my eyes bleed. <laughs> but they're definitely going from a turn-based to a shooter. That could be an interesting point, or it could land the game into the just-like-everything-else pile. So I'm hoping that all the other elements, just like with Deus Ex, brought that game out and put it into its own niche. Now, the interesting thing about this game is that it doesn't have an online pass, which to me, I looked at that and I said, what is an online pass? What they're saying that that is, everyone knows, you just don't ever label, is the single-use serial code that's in the game manual, basically using to register it, I assume. Um, it allows you to ac- access online content. And they're saying this game would have had that if they had a co-op or a multiplayer, uh, but they don't have competitive multiplayer, so they don't need that. I'm so I'm so glad they don't have uh, multiplayer in this game. The first one didn't, and I think uh, sticking to its roots, I'm real glad they didn't try to make, a, make it um, that way. I would assume they might have like a DLC later on with that in it, but for right now, just the reintroduction of it after so many years, it kind of makes sense. Well, they've they've teased about it because there's a video out there that sh- does show um, some sort of multiplayer, but I'm not sure if it's versus bots or some actual players, but there was something that was uh, shown recently. Okay. Let me give a basic plot summary since we really haven't done that yet. Uh, just this, this is just Wikipedia. Um, they're saying this is the year 2069, and the world is divided into regions that are owned by these different mega corporations, and that's another word for syndicate. That's where they get the name for the game. And they have given you chips and other uh, digital interactions. Uh, let's see, it says they have housing, medical, banking, insurance, education, and entertainment, and jobs all in one complete package and one complete lifestyle. In return for giving you that, they get control over individuals and their behavior. And in this war, there are agents, which are bioengineered enforcers, and they can breach the wired dataverse. And let's see, it doesn't really say what you're doing there, other than you are a prototype agent, and you're on an action adventure uh, of corruption and revenge. So it's not very clear exactly what you're going to be doing, but... You're sort of a, you're sort of a tool of the man. You're a tool of the man. You're going to go mm. and talk, you're going to do something to these chipped civilians in some way? Yeah, there's that, or you're going to run uh, missions against other corporations. It's It sounds like it's, Johnny Mnemonic, kind of. Yeah, it's like Johnny Mnemonic, but with guns, and you're you're something of a badass, and you can actually, you're, you're a modified prototype, so you can interface with other people's chips. So you can have, if you're fighting something, you can hack a guard and make the guard kill himself or kill everyone else around him and then shoot himself or do... Different oh yes, things. I did see the demo. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be noted that Syndicate has been refused classification by the Australian board. Uh, duh, you know. 
But my, my little ponies has been refused. <laughs> right. <by a> Sorry, <laughs> Daniel. No syndicate for you. Black market time. Mm-hmm. But interesting. So I'll have to see what you think. I'm sure you'll be finishing the game in two days. Uh, it depends on how many overnight uh, gaming sessions I, I managed to uh, get put in. Ah, okay. <laughs> Very good. Let's move on to the Mass Effect 3 demo, which was released on the 14th of last week, and I've played through several times already. The basic story, it's a action RP game by BioWare and EA, and it is the third in the series. Most people have played Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2. In this case, the Reapers have reached Earth, and despite Shepard's repeated warnings, uh, Earth is unprepared for this. At the same time, uh, we have action, story, and RPG modes you can choose from, or what they call casual um, action mode, story mode, and, and roleplay mode. I think that's how they said it in the demo. And there's also a co-op option, but unfortunately, unless you had an Xbox 360 for the demo, you were not allowed to play the co-op version. They did not have that released for the PC at the time that I was playing, which was disappointing because uh, people said some really good things about the co-op mode. You get to play two different sections of the story. The first section is you are Shepard, you are in the... La, 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 la. Okay. <laughs> well, that's go on. true. No, go on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil this for you. You should have played mm. before we talked about it. I know, I just wanted this game so bad that I was having a debate last week whether to play the demo or to just wait for the actual game itself to come out and hear, but since I did actually say that I wanted to hear about it on the podcast, I should shut up now and just let you actually tell it and spoil it, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, in the first section, you are Shepard, and you can play FemShep or... Mail Shep, I don't know what you call him, in this as well, and there's some basic customizations of that. You are in, you are on Earth in your main headquarters area. You are not at this point in the military. You are a civilian, and we, you get some news that the outer defenses have been reached, have been reached, have been reached and breached by the Reapers, and that they have uh, taken out one of your outer rim worlds, and you're going to go and look at some of the footage of this world that's being attacked. Um, that's very close to Earth. So you have Captain Anderson, who we all remember from the last time, Captain Anderson it was very involved in Mass Effect 2, uh, your friend. And he has come to, to get you. And I have to say, the first thing you notice is that this is very hyper-realistic. All of the graphics, all of the way the people look, everything is very, very detailed, crisp and clear, and just unreal, actually. And... I'm sure it will be even better in the actual release of the game where you can up the graphics and have a little more options like that. So Shepard has retired and he's a civilian now to start with? Shepard has retired and we don't... They say, they don't give you lots of details in here. It's just a, a section. But my my kind of intuition of the situation is that what happened probably is after the second Mass Effect, you came back going on and on about the Reapers, and a lot of people thought you were 
you know, nutso. And so they quote unquote retired you to civilian status and just keep you around basically just in case your, you know, psycho delusion turns out to be real. They or, don't, or, they there's, don't. or there's just a lot of whoopee with Talia and it got in the way. <laughs> Talia. In the demo, you go with Anderson to the high command and you're going to watch this footage of, of one of the outer rim areas being attacked. And, and of course, it's the Reapers and everyone's like, oh my gosh, well, what do we do? This is so surprising. We're not ready. Like, uh, Shepard hasn't been telling you this entire time that you need to be ready, but whatever. And of course, they move very quickly from this outer planet to the Earth, and you see the Reapers descend on the planet. At that point, uh, everything goes to hell. The main area gets blown up, and you and Anderson are running, and this is where you get to take control of the character. You are running on the outside of the buildings um, towards trying to get to a, a shuttle that will take you to the Normandy. And so you get to control the character. Character control, you had... You have talents here, and the good thing about the talents this time is that they're a little bit more branched than they were last time. You have the same basic stuff, um, your biotics, your warp, um, similar things, but this time you have branches where you can advance that talent, like maybe after the fourth fourth uh, level up on it. You can branch it so it affects multiple enemies, or so it gives you energy back, or so it's more powerful. But you have that option where you can you can kind of set your talents so that you have an AOE effect, which I thought was really nice because I needed that with some of the other ones last time. You still have the same issue that you did last time in Mass Effect 2 where the space bar seems to be the button for everything. And that became a little annoying in the demo where you're running along the side of the buildings and if you want to crouch and hide behind something, you run up to it and you hit the space bar. If you want to leap over something, you run up to it and you hit the space bar. <laughs> you know, that that in itself right there, problem. Um... It's just it's just the button for all things, and that becomes an issue uh, because there's a part in the second the second story bit where you have to fight this really big, huge robot and run behind a lot of uh, planters and hide and crouch behind them. And the space bar was really getting in my way, but we'll move on to that in a second. Anyway, the point is you you fight your way to the Normandy and you take off, and that's the first section that you get to play. Okay. And then the second section, you are aboard the Normandy and you are heading to, and I, and I forget which planet this is. You're heading to a planet to try to get the last female Krogan, uh, to, to be on board your ship so you can save her and possibly restart the Krogan race. Female Krogan multipass? <laughs> Krogan multipass. Or the last stand of the Krogan. Okay, so you're with Rex in your ship, and you are going to a Solarian planet. I think Morden Solis is the name of the scientist who you had interactions with on in Mass Effect 2 before. And he is trying to help get the Krogan female, who has this very weird, like, like she's been secured in this huge metallic cage, kind of like, stuck to her body, because they don't want her to escape. So you are going to get her, and you have to move her from a series of locks to the ship area so she can be docked like a piece of, like she's a crate, <laughs> almost. And so you're running, and you have to release manually each lock and authorize it so that she can be moved from area to area. At this point, there are Cerberus agents from the Elusive Man who are after you, and they're after the Krogan. They want to get her for themselves. And you don't really have any more story than this, because again, it's just a section of the demo. So you're trying to move her from lock to lock while the Cerberus agents are trying to kill you and acquire her. 
And at the very end of that section, there's a huge Cerberus robot um, mech who comes after you and, and tries to take you out. And this is a good combat opportunity for for different uh, squads. You have to use different tactics and a good chance to remember your squad commands and use some of your biotics and things that you might have forgotten since Mass Effect 2. Uh, so it's a good playthrough. You have kind of the more story first section, and then the second section is more of the combat section. So I really enjoyed the demo. It was only 30 minutes. It was quite short. And you can go back and play it as many times as you want to. I chose different options for the kind of character that I was playing. Um, you can, the same as before, you can, you can play the soldier, you can play the biotic. Um, there's lots of options. It doesn't really change the story any, but you can use different biotics and different weapons and different things. And so you can practice over and over with the demo. But I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to March very much so I can play the full game. And I think it's going to live up to both of the two in the series. And, and we'll see if this ends up being the end, because the Reapers are on Earth, and they were destroying it when you left. So be interested to see how this works out. Awesome. As a brief segue, uh, you mentioned that the graphics were hyper-realistic uh, along the lines of the new Skyrim texture pack, or...? Very much so. I would say this is a good comparison, Skyrim texture pack. And that actually hurt your eyes or something? There was something about the it, it being too realistic? Uh, no, they don't hurt my eyes, but I think there's a point with your actual living person's vision that things... Let's just say this. There's there's perspective and things in the background need to be softer and fuzzier than things in the foreground. And sometimes in these texture packs, I find that things are so sharp and so clear that they're actually clearer than your real vision would give you, if that makes sense. Um, they're, it's like harsh in some ways. Every line is very um, extreme and it doesn't have the sort of softness that sometimes your real vision does at times, if that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. That's all. No, no, no. It's it's wonderful. Um, you can see every wrinkle on Shepard's face. <laughs> oh, something to note with the Mass Effect 3. If you pre-order the game from Amazon, you will get $10 off your next order. They have something going on right now, which you should check out on the Amazon site, which is nice. So if you pre-order another game, you would get $10 off of that. Which is especially nice because Amazon, um, at least over the past year, I've been listening to different other podcasts, and they've been talking about how Amazon likes to throw in these random gift cards every once in a while for an order, even if it's just to make make them more attractive as a vendor. Mm -hmm. But when you can go in, pay for a game, have $10, you're definitely more apt to go and... and work on just putting down another game reservation through them or to get books or something else that may not be computer related but the fact that they they put technically you know cold hard cash in your pocket in your virtual pocket is nice yeah especially if it's a surprise yep
let's talk about some free apps, free app games that uh, have been linked to me on the Facebook page, which was very nice. Some of which I've picked up already. And if you just kind of want to kill some time, you have your phone with you or your iPad and you're looking for something that's inexpensive but fun to play. You and I played some of these earlier, so I'm going to talk about them now. One of which is Monopoly Hotels. And EA has released a Monopoly-branded hotel social game. And this is free so far. I believe that it's going to cost something at some point. But it's... it's I would say it's fun. You take your, your rooms and you build them inside a rectangle. And there's thieves who try to steal things. There are people you have to keep happy. It's a lot like a super uh, simplistic version of Sim Tower, I would say. And I enjoyed at least watching you play that uh, when we were sitting together. What did you think of that? Um, it comes across as extremely cartoony graphics, and then it's going to be sort of a kid's game uh, when the game first starts. But there are elements in there that are going that definitely take it out of a, a kid's range um, because you have to pay attention to stuff falling, stuff moving, different... Uh, elements of the background that are moving that are important that you have to hit along with keeping everything powered. It's probably a very good multitasking trainer. Um, I don't know. I I was kind of mixed with it. Uh, Portions of it I was intrigued by and wanted to play around with, but just sometimes it struck me a little too much like a, a Zenga game such as Farmville or Okay. Whatever, you know, buy this. Well, okay, well, you can buy this room. You put the room in, it may not fit, and it's supposed to do something because it unlocks this other person, yet this other person doesn't really do anything, but yet you need to have them in there, but you only have enough space to put maybe five or six rooms in this first hotel. I don't know quite what their growth plan is, but it just seemed to be a walk this way, unlock this, put this in, but with some elements such as the money grab and the the robber and bits and pieces like that. There, there were elements in there that were somewhat fun or could be fun if you had more room to play and actually architect a hotel. It looked like it was getting frantic at certain points where there's money falling from the sky. You have to touch each one to get it. And there's tons of little people running around and things happening. Yeah, it's it's like the only thing that was even close to Monopoly, as the title says, was just the fact that the, the cash that was falling was Monopoly-colored money. <laughs> yes. But there wasn't sort of, hey, here's this property. It's on whatever street. And now we're going to go to this other property or something like that. I, there wasn't the Monopoly aspect aside from the guy telling you what to do was the Monopoly guy. And you have colored money dollar things falling. <laughs> Very true. But if you'd like to check that out, it's called Monopoly Hotels. Another app, which is free currently, which won't be for long, is called Assassin's Creed Recollection. Now, I have to say, I don't really know what this has to do with Assassin's Creed when I went to play it, because it is almost like a very simplistic version of, I would say, magic. Uh, it's a card game. The neat thing about this is it has several options. You can play the tactics option, which is the actual game, or it has the art from Assassin's Creed 1, 2, 
Uh, you can look at the actual artist drawings of different characters and different landscapes, which is kind of neat. And then if you wanted to play the tactics game, they do walk you through. It gets more and more complicated. Uh, you start out with one area and you are given for free by the game, I believe, seven cards. And some of these cards are what I want to call like a land. And some of these cards are different characters that are army based scouts and uh, different soldiers of that nature. And the idea is to hold a, a land and it's not actual land. It's, it's an image of, you know, a, a tower or image of a fountain area or a house or some sort of homestead or something. Uh, but once you, once you get that land up there, you have to fight the other soldiers who are being put there by the computer. And it's kind of, I, I found it very, very good strategy. And there were several times where the games were pretty close and it was a lot of, uh, it got more and more complicated the more you played it. Uh, while you're doing this, you're, you're taking different points on a map and you move from that point march down the road to the next point until you've acquired the entire map. You saw me play. What did you think about that? Uh, from an outsider's perspective, it looked very pretty. Um, the sounds were great, but I have very limited magic experience. I've got, I've seen you play magic. Uh, you've creamed me a number of times in the tabletop version. We've played the Steam online, uh, the the magic, the gathering computer game that's available on Steam. We mm -hmm. played that a few times. That I'm sort of following, but this one, you sort of get the lands out, and then you do stuff within these rooms, but just some of the mechanics wasn't making sense to me. But you seem to be very focused, and you had an idea because you, you've done a lot with magic, so you seem to be getting really into it, and concentrating and it seemed to grab you in um, but from looking at it from the outside it was fun to watch you play it's a really good looking game uh, the sounds were fun um, it doesn't seem like a uh, cheap piece of shovelware mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting to see what they do as far as the DLC and the microtransfers I think what will happen is you will want more cards at some point, and you'll want to upgrade the cards in your hand, and that's how they would get you to pay for something. That would be my guess. And I think if you had done the tutorial, which you didn't get a chance to see, they build it up slowly. First, first it's just character versus character. You know, my character has a 1 slash 3. You know, 1 is his attack, 3 is his defense, and he's going against a 2 slash 3. So, you know, he will survive against 2 points to the 3. And, you know, it's kind of, it's very similar to Magic or other games you've played with attack defense cards in that way. But then you start to add the territories or the lands that you're trying to hold. And you usually have three on a screen at once and you have to hold two out of three uh, for several rounds. And if you can manage to hold them and be the, the person with the most uh, investment or points on that land, you will two out of three, you will win the game. And so it gets more and more complicated. It starts with cards, and then it starts with lands, and then each card that you pull out, you can tap, and it has a special ability on its back, such as, you know, returns a scout to your hand, or, you know, various other things. So it gets more and more complicated the more you play it, but the tutorial was very helpful. And I think if you enjoy those games, considering this is free, and the graphics are excellent, and it's Assassin's Creed-based, I think you should pick it up if you like that stuff. Assassin's Creed Recollection. 
But that's some fun stuff I was doing this week I thought I'd share with everyone. I still think the uh, the best app game that I've played with you so far has been the Rolling Paintball app <laughs> from many, many months ago. We've oh, got the Blob of Paint. Oh, Blob. La Blob. Yes. The Blob. The Blob or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. It's a, it's a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to say before we close? We're just kind of... Just gonna have a relaxed episode this week. Mm, nope, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I did manage to get uh, a little playtime with uh, a copy of Warhammer Space Marines as well tonight, mm. and I can definitely see why some people go out and buy control Xbox controllers for their computers. <laughs> this one is definitely a port from a console type game, but I was having fun with it. Excellent. That's about it. Okay. A big thank you to Tinzian, and you can find him on Twitter at Tinzian, T-I-N-Z-I-E-N. And if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast, at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast, or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email your questions, advice, or suggestions to Gray at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.